0: So we begin in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we also thank Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and also send our blessings and salutations upon sahaba ta'ala wa ta'ala Wallahi my brothers and sisters, as I always say, if it wasn't for the Sahaba, me and you wouldn't have enjoyed this religion. What we are enjoying and benefiting is the hard work of Sahaba. So very very quickly, uh, just to recap, and also before I recap, I just wanted to thank you everyone and a very great thanks to uh, my editors especially uh, these are my students and uh, I have known them for a very long time and they've done a great job um, in making me popular by uh, recording and editing my videos. It's not that I'm not very popular, I am actually alhamdulillah, but then they've made me more popular by these editing skills. So I really want to thank uh, these students of mine and if you guys don't know, they're sitting at the back and uh, Sophie Akari is one of them. Uh, also, I don't know what's the part of Jasmine in it because he has, she hasn't come out uh, really and spoken to me so I believe she's done nothing towards editing school. So, having said that, um, I really want to thank all of you as well for becoming a part of such a great blessing and we are gathered here, especially the youth, and especially my listeners over here. And um, if I get your, your name wrong, I mean this is a real person who motivates me to come out. Mm. Why? Because there's always a question. He's always got a question. It's not a question that the Jews ask, mm. it's a proper question that the Muslims ask, just to learn. So what was your name? Yusuf. Yusuf. Oh, I'm not going to forget. MashaAllah, you look like Yusuf as well. Yeah. Did you know that? Well Yusuf had half the beauty of the world. So, and actually I see a friend of mine at the back, and you remember we spoke about uh, the Yemeni Arabs. So I can see a Yemeni Arab at the back over there, and I said they're the real Arabs. And if you want to know who I'm speaking about, his name is Muhammad and he's my student as well. And he's a Yemeni Arab. That's the pure Kahtani Arabs that you can see. And I told you, all the other Arabs today, no offense, you're the, you're the third category Arabs who were Arabized, who learned Arabic language after the Yemenis <laughs> came and they started going to other places. I think uh, this Egyptian kid got offended over here. Your dad, can, your dad can definitely tell you about it. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, we do have Mu'ad at the back. He's my current student as well. And he is, uh, mashallah, it's not that, I mean, uh, not to give him a big head, but he does, he is a Yemeni. So his name is Mu'ad. And if you know Mu'ad ibn Jabal, radiallahu anhu, was a sahabi, of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was an Ansari. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent him to Yemen to teach the Yemenis the religion. And so mashallah, his parents named him Mu'ad as well. He's Mu'ad from Yemen and now, and I I do have another shooter of mine next to him, Aras, and Aras, we are speaking about your area as well. I mean, we spoke about Iraq and that was the place where Rabia ibn Nasser settled his family after he heard the Abyssinians are going to take over and so that was the refuge place. So now very quickly, I want these names, and let's see if you guys can remember, and just for the kids, I know the the elder ones, mashallah, are very, very knowledgeable, and they know all the names. So it was the first king of Yemen, the guy who asked his son who hashed the plum, and he asked his son to slap him in front of people, so that was his plum in order to run away from Yemen, because he knew water was running out, and that was the only way that he could run out, he could go out of Yemen. And, and subhanAllah, it's a lesson for all the kids over here. Today we don't slap our parents with our hands, but our words are sharper than that. Trust me, some parents are complaining about the sharp words that we use. And I'm one of those parents as well. No, I'm actually just kidding, my son's over here. He's a great son. And so, having said that, um, we do complain, but remember, we have to always remember these are our parents. No matter what happens in our lives, we always have to show respect to these. Okay now, come on, very easy. This guy's name starts with an A, ends with an A. And his, his name is synonymous. A synonymous name. It's not homo, but it's very synonymous. I think Muhammad knows. I mean that's another student of mine, and Mashallah, his father named him an amazing name. You ask him what his name, he will say Muhammad. You ask him what his surname, he will say Muhammad. <laughs> so he's Muhammad Muhammad. And that, that's a great name, you know. So no one can get confused. Muhammad, Muhammad. He avoided all sort of confusion. <laughs> I mean, I like like these kind of spectators. It's okay, let him enjoy. He's the one who's enjoying. He's keeping me going. All right, if you guys don't remember, his name was Amr ibn Amr. Amr ibn Amr is the first king of Yemen. Now, the king who saw the dream, what was his name? Starts with an R, ends with an N. Rabir ibn Naf. MashaAllah, my son said, Rabia ibn Nasr, Wow, I'm so happy, I'm elated. I think we can go home now. <laughs> so, uh, that is very good. Uh, Rabia ibn Nasr is the name of the king who actually had the dream, and the dream was interpreted, and today we are going to get the interpretation of that dream. So now, what was the name of the guy who brought Christianity to Nijmah? And this is the Shami. He's from Sham. I have great listeners over here, I must say. Okay, his name is Fimion. Fimeon is the guy who brings Christianity to the Jerusalem. What's the name of the good king of Yemen who brought Judaism back to Yemen? Yeah, that's right. Don't be shy. Speak out loud. Tabba ibn Asad. And he was the one who brought uh, the Jewish religion back to Yemen. And who's the guy who took over the, the highway robber, who took over the kingdom of Yemen for a little while? So this one, I, I also get confused. <laughs> so I have to look at my notes as well for this one. But whoever tells me this name, I must tell you, you, you are over there, like you know you you know a lot.: Yes, anyone? I've just looked at his name. Tell me where I start with. Luhonea. Lukhunaya was that highway robber who took over the kingdom of Yemen. And after that, who was the king, one of the children of the king of Yemen, Tabari ibn Asad? He took over the kingdom back from this highway robber. Who was that guy? And we actually spoke about him last week. Zunawas. Zunawas was, was that king who actually took over, and now going into the Seerah in our fourth session, Zunawas has taken over the kingdom back from this highway robber, Luhunayah. And after he kills him, he establishes the rule again, and he unites the family, as what we learned in last week, that there was a, a lot of problems within the families. Everyone wanted to take over and become the leaders. So now Zunawas actually is a powerful man, and he unites the family together after he unites the family together. Yeah. it is seen that Zunawas himself is losing the religion of his father, which is the Jewish religion, and he is more reliant on the magicians and the soothsayers and the fortune tellers and he starts going back to this old habit which the, the first religion Now, this everyone should know. The guy who brought idol worship to Arabian Peninsula. Yes. Amr Ibn Luhay, That's the guy. So they're going back to those days. And he is more reliant on magicians and all these other things. And I told you, if you guys remember, back in my country, I mean, the best part of bagging your own country is that no one can call you racist. So that's why I always use my country as an example. So uh, if I do call anyone, I, I do know examples from everyone else's countries as well, but the safe part is to always stick to your own country. So, and I did tell you that in my country, magicians have shops and they're very popular shops they, uh, you, if you love someone, you happen to love someone and that's the emotion when you get 16 or 15, you start liking someone and you think that's love and a lot of us fall in that trap and then we start going against our parents and we are thinking about the whole life. I told you real love and the youngsters and I mean it, real love starts after marriage. When you get married, the next day is the real love that starts, But that's when you find out, oh this is marriage. So that's when you find out, this is what real love is. I mean, marriage, whatever you see in the movies, how they're beautifying. I'm not saying marriage is not beautiful. Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is about sacrifice. So if you love your PlayStation, don't get married. (laughs) I mean it. Because your wife's words are going to be more sharper than your mother. Your mother sometimes can also have mercy, but the wife does not have any mercy. I'll tell you that. So true. There's a lot of uh, men who are affected. So having said that, I mean that goes uh, my versa as well, nothing against the women, some women are, some uh, husbands are worse than fathers, I'll tell you that as well, they're always uh, babying their wives, but well, wives are there to love them, not to look after them as children, I mean that's where the philosophy goes wrong. when we start babying our own wives, then the love dies, and the only thing that remains in the house is the father and the child. So then we have relationship, which stick relationships in the right place. So now uh, Zuna is in this trap of fortune telling with magicians, he takes control over all the people. He does not want anyone to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember Yusuf asked a question, you guys probably were sleeping at that time. He did ask about the religions and I said every religion in Arabia was a Unitarian religion. So they believed in one God and they all worshipped one God. So whichever direction they were following, it was the direction to Jannah. So, uh, what happens with Zunawas now, he's very powerful. Today Mahutbah my khutbah, in Castle Hill, I spoke about why do people get into this realm of atheism. Actually, the title of my is raising kids to become atheists in our society. One of the major reasons why kids leave God, or anyone leaves God, is when they start thinking that they're too powerful to look after their needs. Once you're too powerful, you're too rich, you have the money, you're too smart, you're intelligent, you know everything what's happening in the world, you don't need God. And that's where you become arrogant. So you don't need any limitations. So anyone who comes and tells you that this is wrong, you don't like those limitations. And you say, I don't need them. So you look at all these masterminds. I mean, one of the biggest ones that I always love and this love and hate relationship with him, Richard Dawson, and he always says, these guys are very arrogant. You need to know these guys. You know what he says? Uh, You all know Mehdi Hassan. Mehdi Hassan's asking him a question. He says, what if you die and you see God? And Richard Dawkins smiles. And he says, I'm going to ask God, why didn't you come to me when I was, when I was alive? That's arrogance at the top flight. Many hasn't said a simple question. What are you going to do if you die, you see God? How are you going to reconcile that? He says he smiles. He has a smirk on his face. He says, I'm going to ask him, where were you when I was in the world? Why didn't you come and see me? So this is arrogance at a highest level. So one of the major things that makes you leave your religion or leave God is when you're self-sufficient, and that's what Zuba was with these, with the help of these magicians. He became really self-sufficient, and he was able to do everything. Now remember, Phineon had come to Negeran, and he said to his master, "Gather all the people. If my God destroys your God." Then will you believe in my God? And that's what happens. Allah sends a bowl, uh, a thunder, a lightning, and that burns the tree down. And everyone in the Jan, for many years to come, till the time of Rasulullah, there were Christians, there were Unitarian Christians. When I use the word Unitarian for the little kids, it, it actually means you believe in Muwahid. You are a Muwahid. You believe in Tawheed, You believe in one God. You believe Jesus is the messenger. But then at the same time, you believe there's one God. There's no God but Allah. So now, Femi so now in this group, there is a guy called Abdullah Ibn Sama. Abdullah Ibn Sama is going to Yemen. So remember, Najran is at the border of Saudi. Even today, Najran is there. But back then. If you look at the Arabian society, they were divided into different tribes. So they had uh, lands according to their tribes. They were very tribal people. So Najran was a place where these people used to live and it was never part of Yemen. So they were now traveling to go to Yemen. So they go with this leader, Abdullah ibn Salman, and he's a Unitarian Christian. So there's a group of people who travel to Yemen. And they get to the center of Yemen where Zuna was is the leader. Now they happen to find out whoever worships Christianity they are tortured and they're killed. So they start propagating the religion secretly, and they practice it themselves and they only pass that religion to the people they trust. Because if they will preach the religion to people openly, those people will persecute them and they will kill them and they will die. And SubhanAllah, what we say now, and I want the youngsters to look at this carefully. In this country, me and you live, your parents brought you here, I mean my wife brought me here, I can really say that. Uh, That was my wife, that's why I came here. So, she brought me here and um, all of us came here and we are preaching our religion openly. We're sending these messages out on WhatsApp openly that there is a seal of Rasulullah. There are people who sit from some countries where you cannot openly preach your own religion. I'm t- talking about today's time. Where you cannot talk about da'wah openly in Muslim countries. These are countries where the leaders say they believe in Allah. These are countries where people say they believe in Rasulullah and no exaggeration. How many of you have been to Saudi? Many people. I think the half of the crowd has been to Saudi. Do you know that in the masajids, which are humane, you cannot sit down as a group and with one da'im or one khadib talking to people like that, the next thing you know in five minutes, there'll be shurta over there. They'll come and they'll tell you, you know what? We have one cell which has been waiting for you for a long time. Where were you? That cell's been calling for you. Now we need to take you there. And that's the land of Muhammad's <coughs> land. So You cannot sit there. You only preach if you have the rights from the government. So if you do go to Saudi don't flex your muscles and say, I want to do dawah over here and sit down with a group of people. Because the next thing you'll know, you're not going to be seeing daylight. So we have these restrictions in our Muslim countries. And we sit over here. Well, this is our place, everyone knows, probably there's police giving us protection outside as well, God knows. And they're probably here to listen to us as well. But what I'm trying to say, this was the same situation in the land of Zunawas at that time in Yemen. And so now Zunawas is uh, prosecuting whoever he finds that believe in God. Now, in that time there's a king, and king has a, a lot of magicians, but there's always this master magician who can do a lot of things. So when people do not agree with the king, the ropes are turned into snakes, and these snakes are there to bite the people, to scare the people, and they worship the king. So now the master magician is getting old, and he says to Zunawas, I need a young boy, because I want to teach him my skills. And the young boy says, uh, so the king says, I'll find you someone.'" And they find a young boy, He lives in the valley and the magician lives on the mountain. So they say to this young boy that you will travel and will look after your family. We'll give them the money, we'll give them everything. Your family is going to be looked after. And subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he wants to make this religion alive, he will make it travel anywhere, wherever he likes. You will have today people which are saying la ilaha illallah even in Antarctica. We sit over here in Australia, no one ever dreamt of that Islam will come on this land. No one ever dreamt of. I mean, we can be safe to say, and it's being recorded, that there was no Sahaba that travelled this far to this land. And subhanAllah, if you know the history, they say Captain Cook got here first. Actually, Captain Cook never got here first. It was the McCarsons who got here first. And it's worth reading the history. The Makassas, the Malays, who were the Malaysians, they were the ones who traded, and they were the ones who came to this land. That's why the aboriginals loved these people. And they came here, they did trade with them, and they did not take the land of them. And the white people... And I always told you, uh, as I said the last time, you know, we should say on the camera, we love America. If you want to go to America, you should always say that because America listens to everything. They're like the big brother. You know, big brother listens to everything. So if you, wanna, if you have plans to travel to America, always respect America. But if you've got no plans, by all means, you know, rip them apart. I mean, you live in a country where there's freedom of speech. So... I do have plans, and I, and I say America is the best country in the world, as I always say. Um, but having said that, as you say, the white people, wherever they went, their civilization was to kill the inhabitants of the land and then start a new nation. That's what they did. You are the owners of this land. Why I say that? Because the bulk of you are born over here. You learn the history. You know what happened to Aboriginals. You know the massacre that happened you know how they were killed we have history and I am sure from the countries that you came from in the Second World War and the First World War your countries were affected as well in my country which is divided into three now actually three or four can't, don't even know, I think it's three to be safe here yeah. so Pakistan India and Bangladesh. The, the Bangladesh part we divided on our, on our own because it's the, well, this is what Muslims are. When we can't put up with the, our own people then we just divide them. Divide and we say, you know what, we, we just uh, want to live uh, on our own accord, you can live on your own accord. But the first part was divided by the white people. Many people again killed, destroyed. Families were uh, you know tortured. Half of the family on the other side of the land half of the family in this side of the land, and this is what they did. So now, having said that, uh, this young kid wanted to travel, and while he would travel, he would pass a cave. In this cave, there was an old man who would chant the gospel in gene. So the Bible, he would read Bible. So every time the kid passed, he looked at this old man, he was reading something. And it was mesmerizing and so remember Quran is mesmerizing. Our book is amazing. When you listen to the right reciter, the way they read, it's amazing. It can bring tears to your eyes. Even if you don't understand Quran, it can move your heart. And so when he passes, he looks at this guy, he's reading, and he tells him, what are you reading, what is this? And he tells him about this religion of unity, of one God and Jesus, and how he's come from the Jahan. And he speaks about Phineon, the guy who came and he taught this religion to their friends. And so he learns, he wants to learn now, but he also has to go to the magician because this magician is looking after the family. The king's looking after the family. So he always gets late in order to get to the magician. So the magician, what he does, he punishes him. He berates him. He punishes him with sometimes burning his hands or hitting him, whipping him. I mean, we know you, if you are a Muslim kid, you've probably gone through one of those tortures by your parents at some point in your life. So I'm not talking about not the younger generation, I'm not talking about my generation. I mean, my dad, Allah, give him a long life. He had some really great torture skills Well, those torture skills kept me and that's why i'm sitting over here if you he did not torture me that way i don't know where i would be today so i mean they have great torture skills i mean your probably your dad can also relate to some of the torture skills from his parents as well but their parents in their 50s the ones who were born in the 50s they had amazing skills they could work with anything in the house they could work with the belt they could work with the shoe, they could work with the mugs, cups, anything. I mean, if their hands were the last resort, if they could not find any tools or utensils, then they would use their hands, because they had to take the frustration out. They could not keep it to themselves. And so the parents of 21st century have to be very careful, because there's a number that's given to you in the school docs. It's called docs. So that's why the 21st century parents have become very lenient because every time they raise their hand, you are holding this placard, docks, and they put their hands down. So, I mean, that's, uh, so basically this kid's being tortured and now he comes back to this muwahid, this old monk. Remember, I told you about the monk. Who can tell me what's the definition of a monk? I said the monks are not just the Buddhist, what you see. Who's a monk monk in essence? Monk's not a monkey, no, just kidding. <laughs> that's not the short form of monkey. They don't... Yes. I forgot. Yeah. Monk. Monkey? That's right, so anyone could be a monk. Someone who devotes his life for the purpose of his creator. That's yes, it. He, he just <laughs> worships God. And that's what he does. Alhamdulillah, Islam is a religion that does not promote celibacy or any of those thoughts. Islam tells you marriage is half your religion. Why? Because once you get married, that's when the patience starts. That's when the journey starts. And someone, some people are laughing patience. What do you mean by patience? I meant love starts. So and there's many things that happens with marriage. And so you become a man, you become a father, you become many things. And so this monk teaches him and he tells him, look, uh, I don't want you to go away. I don't want you to go to the magician directly. When you go to the magician when you're late, tell my parents kept me back. And when you get home late after the magician, tell them the magician kept you back. Never give my name. Because I have been chosen by my group to preach this religion secretly. So if you give my name, they will find me out and they will torture me. And so the boy keeps on learning and he carries on. One day, he's going through the valley and he sees this big creature and he's in the middle of the valley and people cannot go on the other side. And everyone's stranded. And now he says, now is my time to test who is right. Is the monk right or the magician right? And he picks a stone up, and he says, if the monk is right, Allah, then when I throw the stone, let this creature die. But if the magician's right, when I throw the stone, the creature will not die. And SubhanAllah, when he says that, and he throws the stone, the creature dies. And at that time he believes what he's been learning from magic that's wrong. And whatever the monks toward him, that's right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed this person with many powers, supernatural powers, this little boy. And this boy is mentioned in the surah, which is Surah Al-Buruj. And so how he's mentioned, not particularly he's not mentioned. Remember, when we did the first lesson of the seerah, we said in order to understand Qur'an, we need to know the seerah of Rasulullah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ashabul al for those people. Those are the people of the land of this boy. So that story is coming. So now, Allah blessed him with many powers. One of the special powers he had, he could heal the blind by the will of Allah, by the power of Allah. Always remember, when Allah gives any powers to anyone, even if it's a prophet, even if it's Muhammad وسلم, it's nothing that Muhammad brought from his own house, or went from his own will, from his own mind. That was, that was given by Allah. And you all read that, the parents read this surah every day, sorry, every Friday night. اَنَا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ Yuha Ilayya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling Muhammad tell them you are exactly a human like these people are. There's only one difference. have إِلَيَّ That Jibreel comes to you. That you get Qur'an, you get Wahid. No one else gets that. There are some people in today's time they have met Jibreel, Jibreel comes to them. That's why they've got they so many new rules. But I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about Muhammad sallallahu over here. So yes, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is exactly like me and you. He had. He was a father, he was a husband, he married, he ate food, he slept in the night, he did everything what we do, everything. It's not that he was always flying in the sky, he had a carpet with him, it's not that. If Allah wanted to give him that, Allah would have given him that. For Allah, nothing is impossible. Whatever Allah gives to people, it is the power of Allah. And Allah chooses people. Even in today's time, you have the people who are closed, the wali of Allah. When they make du'as, Allah opens doors. And you probably know these wali's of Allah. When even if you look at the Sira of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the family of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has forma, has an honor. When Ibrahim, when uh, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi was not around, when Abu al-Fadl, which is Abbas was around, when there was a famine, there was no rain at that time. Umar Al Khattab took. Abu al-Fadl, which is Abbas radiallahu anh, out, out, and he said to make dua, because he said, with your honor, with your hurma, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us rain. So yes, there are people, and the family of Rasulullah sallallahu definitely has a great status in our community, in our lives, but at the same time, we all are equal in the eyes of Allah. The only thing that makes us better is our interaction, is taqwa. Whatever our interaction is with Allah Subhanahu Taala, now this boy is healing a lot of people. He's giving a lot of people, and see, blindness was a very big thing. If you know the Sira of Isa alayhi salam, Allah gave him three special things. Two I've just mentioned: leprosy and the blind. So you actually he had more than three, uh, but just to uh, very quickly. Leprosy, he could uh, cure the leper as well, and he could cure the blind. He could also bring the dead from alive. That was only some cases which were done, just to show the people that is the Nabi of Allah. But he had another special thing. He could craft a bird with clay, and he would blow on it, and that bird would get life and it would fly. That was one of the powers that Allah gave to Isa. And so, it's again, Allah gives these powers. So now, there is a guy in the cabinet of Sudawas. He's an old man. He's heard about this little kid who's giving a lot of powers. Uh, the blindness, he cures the blindness, he cures the leper. So he's blind, he cannot see properly. And he goes to this kid and he tells him that, Can you cure me? And he says, Yes, I can. But first you have to believe in the one that I believe. And he says, What do you mean? He says, I believe in Allah, this everything comes from Allah. So if you say you believe in Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cure you. And so he says, I believe in Allah. And he, as soon as he says that, he rubs his hand over his eyes and he gets his eyes back. And he's sitting in the cabinet one day, Zul looks at this man and he says, he's amazed. He's like, aren't you the one who was blind? He says yeah i was blind but remember the boy that you have sent to learn magic i went to him and he cured me and i've got eyes now soon is very impressed he said the kid has some learned some really amazing magic even my master magician did not have these skills so he calls this boy in and he says to him that where did you learn this magic and who has taught you how can you do this and he said did the magician teach you these skills? And he says, no. He says, how do you do it? He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps me to do this. And the king's very angry. He's like, Allah? Who's Allah? What do you mean? He says, Allah was my lord and your lord. Everyone's lord. And the king gets very angry. And he says, who taught you this? And remember the old monk said to him not to give out his name. And he starts torturing him. And when he tortures him, he cannot bear it anymore. And he says, this guy told me this. And then he calls this blind man in the court with the boy and the old monk. And first he calls the blind man. And he says that you also believe in Allah. Denounce your religion. And the old man says, no, Allah has cured me. I will never denounce my religion. And the, old, uh, the king orders a sword to be brought in and to cut the old man into half. And he says to denounce your religion. And he does not. And so they saw, they saw him into half. They cut him into half. Now the monk is also looking at it. And he says to the monk, you denounce your religion. Or else this will be your fate as well. And the monk says, I will never denounce my religion and I believe in Allah, and I will die with this faith. And they cut him into half as well. Now he says to the boy, you denounce your religion. And the boy says, I will never denounce my religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has benefited me so much that I was never like this before that. And then he says to the guards that we will punish him in a different way. Take him on top of the mountain, and throw him off the cliff. And they take him on the top of the mountain, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala orders the mountain to shake, and all the guards who have taken him, they fall on the book from the cliff, and only this boy is saved. And Subhanallah, now look at this. If me and you, we were in the boy's position, again, I should not make wulu on your behalf. Maybe some people are really more, uh, you know, uh, strong in their faith, but. People of today's time, if we were in this boy's position, if Allah had saved us, the first thing we'll do will run away. We're not going to come back. You know, the boy doesn't do that. The boy comes back to the king. And he says, Allah saved me. But the king is more angry now. And the king orders the guard to take him in the boat and to sink him in the water. And they take him. And Allah orders the boat to shake again and all the guards in the water, they all drown, and he comes back again. And we all the second time lucky, I'm not coming back, i tell you that. But this boy came back. And when he came back and he said that there is one way you can kill me. There's only one way. No matter how many guards you keep on sending, you're not going to be able to kill me. He says, take an arrow and invite all the people of the land and then shoot the arrow. Say, Bismillah, and shoot the arrow. And then you will be able to kill me. Before that, you have to gather everyone. And subhanallah... He gives him the way how to kill him as well but there is a plan and subhanallah remember allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has greater plans for for this uh, ummah and for all of us we may only have very we may be only very short-sighted when it comes to our future and the future of our nation but allah has some greater plans for us and so this boy gives him the way to kill him and he's the king's deluded. he wants to get rid of this person and he tells the guards to invite all the people. It's like uh, if you've, uh, you know, back in the days when you, those gladiator fights were when they invited all the people and they would fill them up. Did you know that? Why did uh, those shows went on? And. I'm giving the lessons within the CLR, and that, that's one of my styles, so the kids can also benefit from it. Why do you think the gladiators and all these, uh, uh, you know, gruesome games were one of the biggest things, uh, entertainment in, in Rome? Why, why do you think that was so common? So that they could keep people away from the purpose of life. Back then there were these games, and these these massive, Uh, grounds to practice that today we don't need these games today we just need a telly a television a TV and that does the job it suits everyone well no matter what age you come from you know if you don't like Netflix there's Stan if you don't like Stan there's Foxtel if you don't like Foxtel there's Freeview and if you don't like that there's God knows, I mean, it keeps on going, it never stops. So everyone's entertained. Their fathers are entertained, and particularly the Pakistanis were entertained when World Cup was around. And they, some of them broke their TVs. I think they did the right thing when they broke their TVs. But on top of that, when they broke it, they bought a new one as well. Now, because they want to catch up with Netflix now. So, all these games were there, so that we could, they could keep people busy, normal people like me and you, poor people. So we could be busy all the time, and we have no time to think about the main things in our lives. And that's what these entertainment and games industries they do. When you have these games for our children, and when they sit on the, in front of the TV, all parents sitting over here who have kids under the age of fifteen, your kids. Are controlled by the game as soon as they press enter. Once they hold the joystick, now they're being controlled by that PlayStation the whole time. They're just controlled now, they're being hypnotized. And the next thing you know, they don't even move. They don't move. If the mum just tripped from the water that was in the kitchen and she yelled, the son's. Probably oh mum's watching TV, well the T V sounds like Mum. And he just carries on. And the next thing you know when the dad arrived, the mum's fatal on the floor. He opened the door. What happened to Mum? I don't know. So you must be thinking I always pick on women. and whether I should be changing my jokes next time to men. Because I have to go home alive as well. If I'm not gonna go alive then I'm not gonna be coming back again, so I have to be very careful with those things. So now, having said that, um, the people here are gathered and they all come around and now is the time he takes the arrow and he shoots the arrow. And he says, Bismillah. And when he shoots the arrow, it goes all the way and it pierces through the heart and the boy dies. And when they hear the word Bismillah, that in the name of Allah, now they realize that Zulawas is nothing, because they wanted to kill this boy, but they were not able to kill it. And then they say, to billahi, hadal gulam," that we are, we bring uh, iman and we bring faith on this ghulam this boys. God. And that's what they do. It is said by Ibn Kathir in the Kitab al-Tariq and also at Tabari mentions 20,000 people were there gathered. Two zero thousand people were there. And they were all watching this unfold. And they all believed in Allah straight away. The plan of Zunawas failed and the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the one that one boy gave his life and he brought Iman to the hearts of 20,000 people. Now look, this is what Iman does. How many of us have become, you know, uh, hypnotized? And how many of us, our souls, does not even move? Today we look at Muslims dying around the world. We're very uh, sorry to see the people of China. We can't see anyone from Chinese background over here. But they're Muslims as well. They are being crucified, killed on a daily basis. and the hist- and the, the not just the atrocity, not in China. I mean, Palestine is having its share. Egypt's having its share, Pakistan's having its share, Afghanistan's having its share, Syria is having its share. Everyone I mean, you name it, Burma is having its share. You've got uh, you know Rohingya. It's having its share. There are people, the non-stop killings that are happening. And if you look at us, we've been hypnotized. What do we do? We just make du'a. And some of us don't even make du'a. Let's be honest. But this one boy, death, his death, changed the life of 20,000 people. And they started believing in God. Today, thousands and thousands of people are dying and our souls are sleeping and we can't do anything. We don't even sign a petition or we don't even go on our Facebook or we say we stand up. Do you know that you, you are so lucky that you live in this country, you have no problem when it comes to speech. It's freedom of speech. There's always ways how you use your speech. There is a way to talk to people. You can put your point across and you don't have to be rude as well. You don't have to scream in order to be heard. You just have to use the right words in order to be heard. How many of us are doing that? We don't even talk about this. And this one person dies and he enlightens 20,000 people. Now Zulawas is angry and he threatens everyone and no one's listening. And he orders the guards to build and to form ditches and to make ditches on the ways. on the road, on the pathways and to dig them up and to burn fire in them. And so now when they burn fire in them, they start putting people into it. They ask them, do you believe in Zunawas or do you believe in Allah? And whatever they say, if they say Allah, they put them in there. They put each and every person in there. And in the stories of history, one woman is brought forward. This woman, when she came very close to fire, she had a little baby. And now there's only four babies who spoke from the cradle. You probably know one for sure, Isa alayhis salam. There's four babies who actually spoke from the cradle. And the other one was the hairdresser of Ferran's child. She spoke, that, that child spoke as an infant. And there's another baby, at the time of Jubel, who was a muwahid and a monk, a Jewish monk. And it, at his time, he, he in order to say, save him uh, against the allegations that were made for him, he's, that child spoke. And then there is another one, which is this one over here. When the mother, the feet, they, you know, they get shaky when she gets to the fire, not for herself. It's because of the child. She looks at the child, and at that point, the child says, "They have patience, mother. We believe in the right religion, and Allah will take care of us. This jump, and Mm. and basically they jump, and after that, they." Are all burned, and as, as I said, twenty thousand people were burned. There was only one man that was saved, and every other well, every other person died, and this was the only one man that was saved. He jumped on a horse and he rode all the way to Sham to Syria, where Christianity was. His name was those Dhus, Staleb and this guy went all the way to Sham, and he spoke about the atrocity of Zulawas, how he has killed all the people who believed in Christianity. Now let's go recap, go back to Rabia Ibn Yassar. He had a dream the Ethiopians will take over the land of Yemen, and now the prophecy is about to come true. He sends him to Abyssinia, to habasha where Najashi, the, the king of Ethiopia, It prepares an army with two generals. One general is Ariad and the other one is Abraham. These two generals are sent with a huge army to destroy the Yemenis, to destroy Zulawas and the whole army. If you guys remember last week, I spoke about one of the kings, one of the sons of the king. Hassan who became very arrogant of his power and he wanted to take on the whole world and he said no matter if you're the Arab or you're the Ajab we will take over the whole world and will destroy and Yemen will become the leaders of the whole world. Now The Abyssinians sent this army with Abraha, you all know this name, the kids even know this name, who Abraha is, and the other guy is Arya. In the next series, now, which is the next episode, I'll tell you what happens. But now, very quickly, they come and they completely demolish the army, and Zunawaz, in order to save himself, he's running away, and he drowns in the sea, and he dies, and he meets his death. And this is how the prophecy, the dream of Rabi'a ibn Nasr comes true. That there will be a time that the Abyssinians will take over the kingdom of Yemen and they will lose their kingdom. And so this is how the Tubba, and you remember the king of Yemen is called Tubba, and this is how the end of Tubba come to an end, and now the Abyssinians have taken over their land. So we, we just conclude over here, and uh, inshallah, uh, in the next episode, which is next week, we will speak about how the Abraha and how Abraha comes in power and how he becomes the leader of Yemen and how uh, he comes in contact with Abdul Muttalib and how you know he wants to destroy the Kaaba. So we're not, still not going to go into the birth of Rasulullah as of yet. I'm assuming by the, end, by the end of sixth or seventh, at least the seventh episode is when we will be talking about the birth of Rasulullah. But this is just to give you a scenario. So we learned how idol worship came, we learned how Judaism came, and we also learned how Christianity came, and we also learned how soothsayers and the fortune tellers and the magicians they came into the region of Arabia. The region of Arabia was a pure region of Muwahideen. And also, and I told you about the Surah, Surah Al-Buruj. And if you look at the Surah, uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly is telling us about uh, how this is happening to all these people, and how they die. And uh, just very quickly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that these people were the ones who were killed and there was a fire made for them and on the sides of the road and that's how they were killed. And why were they killed? Only because they believed and they were mu'min, they believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that was the reason they were killed. And also Allah says in the latter part that the reason uh, was, uh, and Allah will take revenge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant success to the people, and He will grant jannah to the people. And so uh, now we bring it into uh, this episode.